Hello, I'm John Ellis. Welcome to episode 45 of Petodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast, featuring not just the Dons first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. Reviewing the match against St. Johnson from the weekend past and looking ahead to another home game at Petaudry against Livingston this coming weekend. Uh, first off, though, we go back to Perth to review the St. Johnson game. The Dons having been up and down since the league kicked off with losses to Celtic and Motherwell and a win over St. Mirren. So how would things go against the Perth Saints? Well, it ended 1-0 for the Dons, meaning our pundits were right, broadly speaking, in so much as they promised it wouldn't be high scoring, just a one goal separating the teams. Uh, in the end, an early contender for goal of the year coming from a free kick converted by Leighton Clarkson. Uh, your take on the afternoon's events, Andrew? Well, it was funny. I was just looking back through messages that Dave and I exchanged early on in the game. Um, and I noticed it was 15 minutes in. We both agreed this looks quite a reasonable game. Promising for a game in Perth. 14 minutes later, it's reverted to type. I hope to God the second half is better. And that, that kind of summed up the first half, I thought. Uh, Aberdeen started quite brightly. There was the Oyan Mayofsky header that was disallowed, I think, correctly for offside. Um, the, the, the cross came in from Johnny Hayes. I think he had just drifted offside. Unfortunately, then the game did sort of stagnate and it, it became... A typical Aberdeen St Johnston game, good football at a premium, and you did feel that it was going to just take one goal to separate the two sides. I thought St Johnston in attack were really toothless, um, particularly in, in the first 75 minutes of the game. I think um, they had a long-range free kick from Graham Carey from wide out to the right, um, a, a shot from uh, the new lads, um, that's come up from England, whose name I can't remember because he made such an... Bear? Uh, no, Bear completely fluffed his lines. Yeah. He was the, the midfielder. Um, oh, uh, Phillips. Phillips, that's it, that's it. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Dons struggled to break them down. Um, there was some promising play. Uh, again, Gaden Richardson looked good going down the, the right-hand side. Vinny Basawin, I thought, was... A wee bit lost in the game and not quite sure whether he was playing as a winger or as a number 10 or, or what. But then 56 minutes comes along. Johnny Hayes, who I thought was very good throughout the game, um, gets taken down 30 yards out and then agrees with Leighton Clarkson that, yeah, I think it's your side, son. Just have a pop, see how it goes. And he pings in a goal that was worthy of winning a far, far higher profile game yeah. than that one. I mean, if that had been a goal scored in the English Premiership, um, say last night to win Manchester United against Liverpool, everybody would be absolutely raving about it. <laughs> Probably Jurgen Klopp was looking at it and thinking, I wish to God I hadn't let the boy Clarks go up north. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was a superb strike. And from then on, I thought Aberdeen... With that, Jamie Murphy shot late on uh, apart, were pretty comfortable. Shaden Morris had a couple of opportunities, maybe should have done better, but I thought the Dons managed the game quite well. Um, in the end, I don't think anybody could complain that Aberdeen won the game. Again, it kind of showed that there's a lot of promise in this squad, but there are still areas that need to be tightened up on. But 
we both agreed, Dave and I, when we spoke about the, the game afterwards, the return of Hayden Coulson made a huge difference. Um, he looks solid defensively, but my goodness, going forward, he adds so much to the Aberdeen team. Mm. Certainly the way to answer any critics following the Motherwell performance, Dave, the return, as Andrew said, of Hayden Coulson uh, at left-back, allowing Liam Scales and Andy Stewart to play alongside each other again. Ross McCrory pushed forward into midfield, and that made a difference as well. But I think everyone um, lifted the performance of last week, didn't they? Yeah, I thought Hayden, Jaden, and Shaden were brilliant, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> First time we've ever had that in our team. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, ag- again, having the same defensive partnership of Scales and Stewart, uh, that really, and with Coulson back at left back, it really does look stronger. They look appearing, and when it's been different, one of them missing, they have looked more more vulnerable. But uh, it was certainly a, a level above uh, the performance against Motherwell and uh, encouraging, but we're certainly not getting carried away because, you know, the, we're not the finished article yet. And I'm sure that Jim will be adding, he's going to add some more firepower before, before uh, well, next week, uh, the end of the transfer window. But certainly more encouraging than when we're, we met last week for the, the podcast. And uh, hopefully we can take that into this weekend, which is another winnable game. Yeah, 300's game and a Don shirt looking like he's uh, one of the kids he's helping to train every day now. Johnny Hayes, another excellent performance, Andrew. Just a typical Johnny Hayes performance, wasn't it? I mean, he's, he's, he's almost elevated his game to another level this season. He looks so fit. Um, he's all over the place. He's a great influence both within the dressing room and out on the park. Uh, and, you know, he's, if you could take Johnny's DNA and implant it into every player you would have a fair old team, I'll tell you, because Johnny Hayes' desire to, to keep going, I mean, he's 35, he looks like he's playing at the age of 18, but it was interesting, there was a, a feature in the, in the, the last programme. I saw it, I thought it was excellent. Yeah, where he said, you know, I thought as a young kid that I'd cracked it and cracked it too early and, you know, so I didn't then have to work. So he's, he's had to sort of take steps back before taking steps forward. Um, but you're right to, to highlight the fact that he's now coaching youngsters because if they can take on board the information that they'll get from Johnny, if they can understand him, um, <laughs> they, you know, they're going to be much better players and take on that work ethic that, that desire to, to be your best every single week, um, you know, it, it's, it promises well for the future for the youngsters. But let's enjoy Johnny Hayes uh, while he's still with us. Um, he's not going to last forever, but the way he's going, he needn't worry about getting a contract for next season. He'll easily get one. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if already the powers that be are having a quiet word in his ear saying, look, if you've got any plans to knock it in the head at the end of this season, shelve them. Yeah. You're still every bit as good as you were 10 years ago, probably better, and would like to keep you on. Yeah, tell you what, it's an extra 10 quid in your pocket and we'll make you a full-time coach as well. Um, yeah, 10 quid every week. Is that, like. a, is that, is that a Dave Cormack person? He's very poor. <laughs> I would, no, I would never impersonate uh, Mr Cormack, sir. Andrew, uh, always one for a, a start, Dave. I'm surprised you hadn't mentioned this. The Dons' first away win in the entire calendar year. Uh, but on this form, we're, we're all hoping it's not the last and, and we're tormented by any more false Dawn headlines. Seems different this time, doesn't it? It, it does. Although the Motherwell game 
you know, we said it was a wake-up call, and it was. So until we can get a wee bit of consistency yeah. and put a better performance in, you know, game after game, it's going to be, you know, always memories of what's happened in the past, which uh, are quite frightening sometimes. But uh, no, it, it was encouraging. But again, we need to back that performance on Saturday up by defeating Livingston at home. Again, it's the type of games that we should, you know, we say we should be winning. We know it's very difficult. Livingston are not easy, but, uh, you know, yeah, feeling a lot more enthused than I was last week. There is, Andrew, still, uh, I don't know, a, a sort of slight fragility, uh, you know, in terms of it, you feel it could go either way. When the Dons got the goal on Saturday, then they settled and then they looked like a team that could have won by two or three. But up until that point, you know, uh, if St. Johnson had scored that first goal, you just wonder. But, uh, well, you know, Proof is in the pudding, I suppose, and uh, time will tell. Before we look at next week, just a word on Leighton Clarkson, Andrew. He scored a, a worldie in his debut, then faltered a wee bit against Motherwell and came back into it against St. Johnson. Jim said in his post-match comments, he's got everything in terms of talent, but if he wants to break into that Liverpool first team, he needs to bulk up and sort of put on the muscle, and that's why he's here. I don't think we've got the programme to make him that muscle man as such, but to give him the taste of the sort of strength he'll face on a weekly basis, throwing him into that competitive environment. And I mentioned this before we talk about Livy, because I wonder if the way Motherwell played and the way that Livy will set up might bother him again. What do you think? Um, I think when, yes, he probably does need to bulk out a bit, but I think the reason for coming to Aberdeen is is he's going to get game time. He went to Blackburn Rovers last season, but I think he only played about five times for them. He will play every week if he continues to show the form that he's been showing for Aberdeen. Um, and yes, he, he will find that there will be games where he gets time and space to play football. Other games where, you know... As he's more he up in the air than he is in the park, yeah. In, indeed. Um, <laughs> he'll, as soon as he gets the ball, there'll be three players trying to launch him into orbit. Um, but... I think he's got the skills uh, to be able to, you know, create space for himself. Um, last last weekend, uh, or the weekend before, rather, against Motherwell, it was it was a collective malaise that hit the team. There, there was no out ball to play because nobody was looking for it. You know, it was, or if they got it, they just gave it away again. Whereas, um, you know, the, the St Mirren game, yes, there was more space because of the numerical advantage, um, but everybody seemed to want to be on the ball. And that you could see a little bit towards the end of the St Johnston game. There was that togetherness a bit better. Um, so I think it, it's something that I'm sure they'll be working on in the training ground this week, how to adapt to games where there's no room in the middle of the park, where you've either got to create your own space or you've got to move the ball faster. I think the way Aberdeen are playing this season, it will be the, the latter, mm. move the ball faster. I mean, you, you've you been in close proximity to Jim Goodwin in the dugout um, at home games and you've heard the call, faster, faster, faster. And it's not in terms of run faster, it's move the ball faster. Yeah. You Don't hold on to it. Don't take three touches when one touch will do. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it's it's all part of Leighton Clarkson's um, growing experience to be able to deal with different scenarios. And I think we can see already that there's such a good footballer in there that he will be able to adapt to whatever the circumstances throw at him. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him at home again. You maybe 
sort of had a wee pop about not coming up with the stat about the first away win and <laughs> God knows was how it, long. Was it a pop? <laughs> was it a pop at all? <laughs> no, no. But um, an interesting one that was thrown up at the weekend, we both commented on it before the, the game started. Why were Aberdeen wearing white at St Johnston? We never ever wear an away kit. It doesn't, red doesn't clash with blue, uh, unless Craig Napier has got some severe colour blindness that he insisted. But it's interesting. Five games they've worn the, the white away kit this season because the four League Cup games they did. Five victories, no goals conceded. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jim Goodwin is as superstitious as maybe one of his predecessors, and it wasn't Stephen Glass, could be the one before him, um, uh, is. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that they've done so well in that away kit. Mm. So I, I know why if, if we see them wearing white more than red this season, as long as we get wins and clean sheets, yeah. nobody will complain. Nobody will. Uh, I know why we wore it so much at the start of the season. Yeah, because we didn't have any red. The red, the, the red one hadn't <laughs> arrived. <laughs> exactly. But it, it was interesting um, to see that. And, you know, other clubs have been doing the same. They've been been wearing away kits at times where you think, there's no colour clash with your yeah. home kit. Um, it's maybe marketing to get more um, shirts sold at this stage of the season. I don't know, but it has worked well for Aberdeen so mm. far. Well, next up, back at Bittardry playing a Livingston side with, with no surprises in how they'll go about it and in terms of style. It's a sort of approach that's ruffled our feathers before. So uh, Aberdeen versus Livingston, what do you think, Dave? Um, I think it won't be a false dawn after saying that it might be. Um, but I've obviously got the half full uh, glass at the moment. <laughs> so I'm going to go for 2-0. It will be, again, not a particularly entertaining game I would have thought but uh, 2-0 for us Andrew um, I think it might be a little bit tighter so I'll go 2-1 for Aberdeen um, mm. as Dave said you know the, the games against Livingston are, are always battles um, you know the, uh, you, you look back over the I think it's 31 times we've played Livingston in the league and you say where was the memorable game and then you just your mind goes completely blank <laughs> because you, you, you really there's so many Livingston games you just don't want to remember anything from them other than maybe a goal here and there Lewis Ferguson's overhead kick uh, at Petaudry Jack McKenzie's goal but you know, Max Stryek threw that one into the back of the net um, <laughs> but you know there's so few memories that you have of Livingston games down the years um, so let's hope that this weekend produces something that will make us absolutely rave about it. Maybe another Leighton Clarkson goal that is even better than the previous two. Who knows? Uh, so that was 2-1 and uh, was that 1-0 you had, Dave? 2-0. 2-0. Two, two two, two two yeah. yeah, I, I did, I did get it right last week, so uh, <laughs> I did go for a 1-0. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Andy said it would be rubbish. <laughs> Not the goal. Right, both counts. Uh, next to uh, to AFC Women who went into this weekend's action still looking for their first league points of the season and more importantly trying to avoid the really negative thoughts forming in the heads of players who just suffered an 8-0 home defeat to Champions Rangers Emma Hunter's side back at Balmoral on Sunday uh, this time to face Partick Thistle which ended in a 2-2 draw the Dons twice in the lead but pegged back on both occasions still important uh, just to register a more positive result Dave yeah, I mean, Gavin B said post-match that he thought the draw was a, a fair result, which I thought was quite an honest assessment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's stopped the, the potential rot of, as you mentioned, with the heavy defeat to Rangers and 
not starting off the season the way they wanted to. Um, they've got difficult run of fixtures coming up, but uh, no, it was a, a decent result. Um, they wanted obviously to win. It was a winnable game, but uh, in the end of the day, Emma, Gavin and the rest of the team will, will take the point. Yeah, absolutely. And Aberdeen Women's next game, another tough one potentially. If last season was anything to go by, they travelled to face Glasgow City next Sunday. Uh, mixed fortunes for the under 18 so far in this campaign. When they click, they really do, but they've been on the end of defeats as well, all part of the learning process. Heading into Friday's fixture against Hamilton Ackies at New Douglas Park, Andrew had warned us of the opposition's form, so we knew the result would be a pretty good gauge to measure ourselves by. <laughs> it ended 6 2 to Hamilton, but bizarrely, was only 3-2 with just a quarter of an hour to go and the Dons remaining competitive at that point. What on earth happened there, Andrew? Well, um, I can only tell from uh, what I've heard from uh, the guys that were there and reading the match report, but it, it did sound like Aberdeen created lots of chances um, but didn't convert them. Uh, they did get a couple of goals through Alfie Stewart and Liam Harvey, um, but... You know, Hamilton are a decent side. Um, they were leading 3-1 at the interval. And then I think they got a dodgy penalty, um, which one of the referees seemed to spot something happening in the box. Um, a little bit like Willie Collin with um, uh, Antonio <laughs> Cholak and Rocky Bushiri um, on Saturday at Easter Road. But um, Alfie Stewart passed some comments to the referee, which obviously upset him. So he was red carded. Uh, Hamilton scored from the penalty. And I think it was numerical advantage that, as much as anything. Aberdeen were still pushing to try and get get themselves back into the game, but caught by a couple, couple of sucker punches. But as you say, it's all part of the learning process, but Hamilton are a decent side. They've, they've beaten Hibs away, they've beaten Rangers away. They did lose to Hearts at home, um, which somewhat surprised me given the fact that we'd beaten Hearts mm. 4-0 at Cormac Park only the week previous. Um, but uh, it was it was one of those, that I think the, the scoreline didn't truly reflect the balance of the game, but at the end of the day, uh, Barry will sit them down, go through everything that they did wrong, um, go through the things that they did right, and he's got an extra week because we're the free team this week. So there's no under-18 game on Friday. So they've got extra time to be able to sort of lick the wounds, uh, get themselves sorted out. Um, but it is disappointing that, you know, that we'd, we had spoken at the start of the season about if this team clicked, they could be a match for absolutely anyone. They didn't play well against Celtic. They didn't do well enough against Hamilton. They've suffered fairly heavy defeats, 4-1 and 6-2. Um, so you've got to take that on board and and then go from there. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they've, they've dished out heavy defeats as well, 4-0 and 9-0 against St Mirren. 9-0 against St Mirren, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And, and still still early days. I mean, they, they obviously have um, everything to do, but uh, the ability to do it. To the Championship and uh, Cove Rangers, where Dave said last week, in a league as tight as the Championship, home results were going to be pivotal. And after a 4-1 defeat away to Inverness last weekend, Cove will have been delighted to get back to Balmoral, uh, this time to face Air United, but it didn't go their way. A 2-1 loss with Jamie Maston scoring that consolation in the 92nd minute. That's now three defeats in the bounce, Dave. Cove, second bottom, just above our both, bewilderingly. Um, Jim McIntyre referred to it as uh, being a performance from his team which he didn't recognise. It's very early, I know, but slightly worrying just now, isn't it? It is. The only sort of good thing is that, you know, the league is still very concentrated. It will 
just take a couple of wins and you're right back up at the, the right end of the table. The problem, of course, is getting those couple of wins. I actually bumped into Connor Scully at the weekend and he, he was saying that um, playing against full-time teams as they are quite a lot now in the Championship, they, they are noticing the, the difference. Um, to be honest, no excuses for Saturday because air could have been three or four up in the first half. I still think home results are going to be pivotal. Interestingly, because they're down at Queen's Park this weekend, a team that they know, team and the Queen's Park teams change personnel a bit. You know, certainly most of them will be familiar to um, to the, the Cove players. But uh, no, it's a wee bit worried, but it's, it's far too early. We're still in August, you know, so not the time to be talking about, well, unless you're at Tannadice, of course, to, to be talking about uh, crises in the team. Uh, so, and, you know, hopefully it will just take a wee, a wee uh, victory, you know, Luck of the draw to get, you know, back on confident form again. And, uh, you know, I think also the other thing is that they have now, you know, whereas hardly any signings were made early on, the last few weeks they've added. So there are, you know, now three or four players having to, you know, gel with their their new teammates. So, as I say, I wouldn't press the panic button. Jim McIntyre is a very good manager. And uh, I think they'll come through it and I think they'll consolidate. As I do think the team just below them as well, will, which is a growth. OK, next up for Cove, uh, they're back on the A90 southbound at uh, this time to face Queen's Park. For Peter Head, the little bit of light from their battling draw against Clyde a couple of weeks ago was snuffed out in no uncertain terms by Falkirk. Well worth their 3-1 victory over the Blue Toon last Saturday. Andrew suggested uh, Jim McAnally, like a lot of managers, was still trying to make signings for his squad and can't even decide in a settled 11 yet. So he said we should have taken some comfort from being back in their home stadium for Saturday's fixture at least. This time playing host to Queen of the South. That one ended 4-1 to the visitors after the Blue Toon actually opened the scoring. Uh, again, alarm bells ringing a little bit there, Andrew. Yeah, probably they are. Um, they've made the ideal start, Max Gillis scoring in only the second minute, but then uh, Queen of the South got an equaliser, I think 34 minutes, and then went ahead just before the interval. Got a third one just after the hour mark, and then maybe the, the fourth one, which came deep into stoppage time, uh, put a, a, maybe a, a bit of a gloss on, on the result because Queen of the South themselves hadn't been going too well this season. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's unfamiliar territory, really, uh, for both Cove Rangers and Peterhead to be uh, looking down and finding there's only one team below them in the in the league. Um, it, it's it's tough times for, for Peterhead. Uh Consistency is what they're looking for, uh, and like Cove, you know they've they've made quite a number of changes in recent weeks. So maybe a little bit early to be, you know, hitting the panic button, but you can't afford to let yourself get cast adrift at the bottom of the table. So uh, Jim will be looking to bounce back, and I think they're are away next weekend or this coming weekend to Allo Athletic. Right. Never the easiest place to go to, but a winnable game as I'm sure the way Jim will be looking at it. But um, it's easy to say a game is winnable. Mm. It's harder to actually go and do that and pick up the three points. Yeah, In the Highland League, again, early days, you just get the feeling it may be as tight at the top come the end of the season as it is right now. Going into this weekend past, Bucky Thistle had taken top spot from Brora, courtesy of goal difference. The Jags, Cadiz and Brechin City all on 12 points. Uh, Champions Fraserburgh tucked just behind on nine. Uh, of interest in the fixtures, first v third as Bucky travelled to Brechin. Matches ended like this. Bank City 8, Keith 0. Brechin City 1, Bucky Thistle 0. 
Claxton Cudden 1, Turriff United 4, Forest Mechanics 3, Huntley 0, Imbruri Locos 1, Vermartin United 1, Walsimouth 2, Wick Academy 1, Nairn County 2, Deverham Vale 2, Rothis 0, Broader Rangers 4, and Strathspey Thistle 0, Fraserborough 9. And all that means Brewer remain top on goal difference from Brecon City. Fraserborough three points further back in third. In the juniors, Dave. Well, in the McBookie.com NRGFA Premier League at the weekend, Bankery 1, East End 3, Bridget on Thistle 6, Duffdown 0, Pooter 3, Nairn 1, Dice 0, Montrose Rosley 1, Hermes 5, Ellen United 1, Mod 3, Colony Park 4, Stonehaven 1, Stonywood Parkville 2, which means that the two teams with 100% records are Hermes, who are still on top, and goal difference from Cooter. Championship, it's still Sunnybank out in front, three points clearly, defeated Lossiemouth United 3-0. Tonight, there's a pr- programme of uh, Premier League and Championship games. Uh, Bankery at home to Cooter in the Premier League stands out, as does uh, Stroud Parkville against Hermes. These two teams, of course, trying to to maintain that 100% record. And in the Championship, the one I We'll be looking for the result. First is Sunnybank against Rothy Rovers, two of the, the top teams there. But this Saturday, it's the Scottish Junior Cup first round, so there's about 400 dies <laughs> to be played. And unfortunately, our best sides all seem to have been drawn away from home. Dice are away to Dundee Downfield. Cooter away to Dundee Violet. Hermes away to uh, Les Mahigo, I think it is. Um, just got the wrong screen there. Um, Bank City, there obviously they play their um, their games at Spain Park normally, but uh, because it's Scottish Cup and they were drawn at home to New Mange United, that one will take place at Memorial Stadium, home of Cove Rangers. Um, Maud they're away to Montrose Rose Lee, Bridget on Thistle are away to Wishaw Juniors, and as I say, it's just uh, yeah, Hermes are away to Les Mahago, so. You know, the, our top team is a good chance of winning, but it's not. The draw could have been quite a bit kinder uh, for us. The only all northeast clash or all north clash is Forest Thistle against Aberdeen University. So the, these all take place on Saturday, and they all have two thirty kickoffs. Okay, and that is pretty much it for episode forty-five of Petaudry PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. If you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Petaudry PS. We'll see you next time.